Hello, this is Peter Davison. You're listening to Gallifrey Public Radio. Gallifrey Public Radio, a weekly podcast dedicated to positive enjoyment of Doctor Who. We travel through classic and new episodes, explore the extended universe, and play a few games from time to time. We do discuss news, content that has been officially released, and the occasional interesting rumor, but we'll warn you before anything considered spoilers comes up. Welcome to episode 483 of Gallifrey Public Radio, where the only thing more entertaining than a plan foiled by a counterplan is a counterplan that fails because it didn't take the counter-counterplan into account. I'm Jay. I'm Julie. And I'm Kier. This week, the Daleks and Davros are down with the sickness. And nobody on the periphery benefits from the upheaval in Resurrection of the Daleks. So the, the Daleks are suffering from a virus introduced by the Mavellan enemies, and the Supreme Dalek opts to spring Davros from a prison station to devise the cure using human Dalek troopers as extra leverage. Davros, being the evil mastermind he is, uses the chance to develop a serum that takes over Dalek minds, effectively winning them over to his side in trying to restore the Dalek initiative to what he originally wanted. We've got internal conflict, y'all. <laughs> Daleks going after Daleks, human Dalek replicants going after station personnel. Hey, and even the British Army is back on Earth thinking that this was just a bomb disposal situation. Laser battles begin. A lot of them. And the death toll is so high that by the close, Tegan has had enough and taps out of the TARDIS team. For good this time. I'm not coming with you. I beg your pardon. I'm tired. What's the matter? A lot of good people have died today. I think I'm sick of it. You think I wanted it this way? No. It's just that I don't think I can go on. Vanessa said when I became an air stewardess if you stop enjoying it give it up Tegan it stopped being fun doctor so there's a lot of moving parts to keep track of here and we we have the Daleks under the Dalek Supreme the human troopers Davros uh, and those that he takes control of, the crew of the prison station, and even the British army back on Earth. Like, did having all of this give the story depth or just make it more complex than it needed to be? Thankfully, I was paying attention. So when there were changes of outfit off screen, I recognized faces enough. But I I would say that gets a minus one to the overall score because it was 
a lot going on. The corridors all look the same. And unless you kind of cued into what they were saying as they would a little bit project what the, like, ah, oh, we're going to do this thing. And then they go do it. <laughs> then you really wouldn't be able to follow the story. Follow me as I'm about to do this thing because of these motivational reasons. Right. And I feel like there was a lot of a Dalek entering a room being like, I am a this Dalek right now, attacking you, Dalek. There were a lot of Daleks and a lot of Daleks yelling at Daleks and a lot of repeating of Dalek voices. This was almost, oops, all Daleks, too many Daleks. Um I think even the writer, even Eric Sayward has said that he thought that this story got far too convoluted than his original intention. Um, And it didn't end up making it into the novelizations until he actually did it decades and decades later. Um, Because it just, he felt that all the B stories uh, and the additional plots were just, it it made it too convoluted. I have to say the, the, the keeping track of the shifting alliances was the really sticky bit. Yeah, that was the difficult part. Yeah. Because you you had, I mean, so you had the Daleks, you had the, the station crew people, you had the, the Earth crew, and then you started introducing the duplicates, and then you started introducing Davros's brainwashing, and it it got to a point where you're like, I recognize this character, but I don't know who they're playing for anymore. <laughs> right. Well, you see, when I turn my little lapel pin this way up, it's thumbs up. I'm working for the good place. When I turn it this way, I'm working for the bad place. I I think this, it really, it straddles a line because that little component aside, the fact that you had so much shifting of, of, uh, of direction within the cast that you're supposed to be getting to know if that weren't the case, I think having the complexity of the layers does make it feel more dimensional. You know, there's consequences back on present day or there's consequences in the prison station. There's consequences, you know, going on in the in the TARDIS control room as they're trying to figure out, you know, Turlo is still holding some weird things to his vest and, you know, Tegan's going through what she is. And it's, I think it's it's compelling enough. It just drifts ever so slightly into mud. At times, at times. I will give yeah. them the benefit of they killed some people off. And so <laughs> as those groups started <laughs> to drop, them there down. was Whew, one less person to it, keep it, track it of. It became easier to keep track of. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like uh, the, the one woman doctor at the beginning, halfway through, mm-hmm. not a concern anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that was one thing that I was saying is I was like, by episode three, I'm like, man, they are killing people off left and right. And so- the, the more complex the story got, the less people you had. And so maybe it kind of kept a sort of status quo there. I don't know. But then with with the massive jumps between this space station, that space station, and the time corridor, it, it kind of <laughs> spun it back up again. And, and you'd be like, well, yeah. were those the same Daleks that just came through? Or <laughs> what? <laughs> Man, they blew up a lot of Daleks in this one. Shoved one out of second story window. We got all kinds of cool stuff going on here. Mm-hmm. This uh, we've talked about this in other series and stuff. How this almost felt like it was a like a season ender kind of thing with all this stuff going on. Like, yeah, this could have been. Yeah, they're just they're blowing up yeah. their sets. They're 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 taking apart <laughs> all of their props. Well, they were preparing mm-hmm. the Dalek outfits for washing, so they just put a little <laughs> bit of shaving cream right on in there, squirt it out the edges, spray that down when you're done. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The shaving cream. Yeah. That's a good way to oh, you know, scrub yeah. them down. 
Or that could have been just soft scrub. It really gets the shine back on them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So two birds, one stone, end of filming, storage for the rest of Mm -hmm. the off season, and and that's it. Yeah. So with all of these many players involved, it gives us a lot of performances to take in. Who were your personal stars of the story and who could you have done without? I I don't want to be disrespectful, but I really on multiple occasions did not like the Stein character as the, you know, the first one to reveal himself as a Dalek agent. And, you know, then he has to fight off the mind control. I, I get it. I get the fact that you had to have that, that sort of a, of a connection. I just didn't like the acting performance, even though it was actually his idea to add the stammer to the character. I thought that was an interesting choice and all, but it's just, there was, there were instances where, you know, he was in a, uh, in a gunfight and he's nearly mortally wounded, and then he forgets about his wounds for about seven minutes, and then all of a sudden his arm hurts again, and then it doesn't, and then he's shot again against a wall, but he's able to leap onto the destruct button. It's just, it wasn't my favorite performance. Kind of pulled you out of it? A lot. Yeah. Uh, but, I, but I don't want to be disrespectful about it, because it's, you know, it, 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 it is what it is. But I really liked Lytton. The mercenary, that complete jerk, yeah. yeah, who gets away at the end, you know, drifts yep. drifts off with the not cops. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He also had the height, which I liked. The interaction between him, the Daleks all being shorter, and all of the other, uh, I don't know, military personnel. It mm-hmm. really gave him that sort of I look down upon you, but I don't show too much emotion. Mm-hmm. I get things done. Yeah, and I I just like the the added aspect of uh, uh, the performance was done really well. And I, and I also like the fact that at no point does he fall into the same, and I think it's just sort of awareness of character on the actor's part, that he is not one of these replicants. He's, Mm -hmm. he's doing this on his own accord. So he's just cold blooded. Do we ever find out why or how he was one of the Dalek crew? Not yet. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Oh, <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, yeah, playing the long game. Yep. Shh, okay, say no more. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. <laughs> I have to say that I didn't. I, there were a couple people that I was like, oh, they're they're kind of fun characters, but I really feel like you could have done some some little uh, jiggery pokery and just completely eliminated the whole uh, space station crew. Oh, really? Like, I don't know. I, none of them like the I liked the doctor. She was entertaining yeah. at, at times, but but gets knocked out, you know, relatively early in the story or you know, halfway or whatever it is. And it's like it they didn't have enough impact on the plot itself for me to really get invested in any of them. And then looking back on it, it's like, well, I mean, they were there, so Turlo could have somebody to talk to, I guess. I don't know. I I kind of felt the same way about the earthbound uh, army representatives. I, I thought they were kind of additional fluff that really didn't even need much in the line of, of speaking lines other than just to yeah. kind of quickly help Tegan get back on her feet and and be able to. That, that's what it boiled down to is they needed the companions to be separate from the doctor and and separate from each other. So they had to introduce groups for them to interact with. Mm. And it didn't actually serve the plot aside from that okay other than being sort of how do i want to put this 
they each had a moment at which there were they were the important bits. So mm-hmm. the crew above needed to introduce the oh, it takes a long time to open this to get to the lever. Mm-hmm. Without that, you don't have the end scene. Right. And then without the base explaining a few times this was a bomb shelter, trying to figure mm. it out, you don't get the poison at the end. Sure. Right. So, But I don't disagree that that could have been a little more streamlined and it didn't need to take up 10 minutes <laughs> a, each. A quarter for, of the runtime, yeah. Yeah. The opening sequence, it is a it is a signature of Doctor Who stories to start with something completely off off the 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 primary plot, just to sort of set your backdrop, right? And you've got that great conversation between Doctor Styles and Mercer, who was the guy brought in to evaluate mm-hmm. what's going on, and they have that great exchange through the corridor. I mean, th- those two characters are fantastic. I loved them both. Um, I love Styles. Just the fact that she's like, "I am this close to retirement. You j- just back just off my game. I am me be. out of this dump." She took the place of any other sort of important. Like the captain never showed up. He died off screen. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. was yeah. never right. person. Yeah, he's this horrible captain that they keep referring to. Nope, not to be seen in this film. <laughs> love it. Um, but who? So who were your who were your gems then, Jay? Who were the ones that you thought really kind of c- carried uh, uh, the the weight on screen? I I did like the doctor. She was she was fun while she was there. Um, uh, again, Lytton was just so deliciously despicable that you you kind of had to uh, had to enjoy him. Um, aside from that, I mean, it just give Davros a spoon and some scenery and just let him go. Yeah. Cause first time having Terry Malloy in yeah. the mask, uh, unintentional really. I guess there was some sort of a, an issue that the, that, uh, um, you couldn't have our, our original Davros, but, but Malloy just it's screaming and absolutely losing yeah. it. He was just, he was 110% into the role and mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, but we love Terry anyway, uncle Terry, right. but yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of people to take in. Yeah. And I kept expecting more from, because we had some that, that did such a great job of taking, all right, you're only going to give me about seven lines. I'm going to make these the best damn seven lines you've ever heard in your life, that it made some of the others look a little weaker by comparison. Like Laird, who was the one helping Tegan uh, down in the, mm-hmm. uh, in the in the warehouse and stuff, that you kept wanting to say, is that supposed to be like the inspiration for Oz? Like Osgood. Osgood, is this like shades of Ingrid Oliver to come? <laughs> but no, but she was just kind of milk toast throughout. But then you then you had the people who were trying really hard and didn't need to like the it's like oh you're you're just supposed to like make a death sound and drop to the floor. Oh, oh if all I get if all I get is the death sound, I'm stretching it out for twenty full seconds. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a seven twenty <laughs> before I hit the floor. <laughs> full oh. full mouth open for the whole fall <laughs> yeah. as well. You yeah. can't yeah. can't overlook those. I mean, star <laughs> now, performances for it, sure. Now imagine this. I think it was uh, it was at least episode three, if not also episode four. There was an issue when it was broadcast in the states that um, some of the receiving stations that were given the the, the reels didn't get the uh, the tracks that had the score and the sound effects. Oh, no. So you had people holding up 
and a lot of, and remember the, the 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 prison station guns didn't actually fire visible lasers. They Nothing. just lit up and you yeah. heard a wow and so they had no lights, no sound effects, no music, just a bunch of people pointing plastic at each other. <laughs> I kinda wanna watch that version. Right? Yeah. I was but, just thinking that. Like just just that third act. Yeah. And I just Which has see... all the gunfights in it. <laughs> and then I want to go back and watch it one more time after taking a bunch of shots and put in my own sound effects <laughs> and laser beams. Bloop 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 bloop. Ah Ooh, call my mother. Bloop 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 bloop. That's where we get the five year old in to do sound effects for us. Right. So I will also say no, we need to borrow <laughs> Rowan because that would be better. Oh yeah, yeah. Two year old, uh, even better. Two year old's better. I will say it was interesting. Jacob got to watch this one with us. So having him see the doctor and then explaining to him that's not the doctor, but just a medical doctor was oh. kind of a funny little aside. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because every time somebody would talk to Styles, they would lean on her title, like like mm. button it, like it was critical. And I, I, I'm looking at his face. I'm like, no, buddy, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. That's not, we don't have a new doctor again. Well, we're not switching it up on you yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Too funny. Well, so as we mentioned throughout here, with with everything going on uh, through the story and, and all the intensity and all the drama, Tegan's disposition had already been on a pretty steady decline for the better part of this season. I and mean, we were noting it in a lot of the stories preceding. So if this particular adventure wasn't such a bloodbath as it was, do you think she still would have made, I'm not saying within the script, I'm saying the character, you know, Tegan, talking to Tegan across the table, would she have still made the decision at this point to say, you know what, that's it? I don't think so. At the top of the episode, while confused, they were still excited to be doing the traveling. And I think she took a very heavy injury caused by a lot of the activity and then death and destruction around her and seeing the doctor disappear with the intent to murder. I think that gives her that kind of checks the boxes of one, two, three. Okay. I'm out. This is it. I'm done. Mm. I agree. I think if this, if this story didn't happen at all, then yeah, she, she would have stuck around longer. Uh, but I don't think it, it, I don't think it took the full brunt of what happened to push her over the edge. Like, I, I think that there's, there are aspects of like the injury certainly played into it. The, you know, watching the, um, uh, the one who had been helping her the whole time be gunned down played into it. Mm -hmm. The, there's probably like a, a percentage that pushed her over the edge. And then the rest of it was just gravy. Right. Yeah. It's a difficult thing to watch her through this story, go through this steady devolution into near PTSD. Um, and, and it's, it's distressing to, to see that she's subjected to all this and has absolutely no wonder. She spends so much of this story on her own, um, just kind of reeling or running in high heels, but running nonetheless from everything. And so, so the decision is absolutely justifiable by the end, even though, haha, also additional fun fact, it was not originally intended to be part of the script. They actually wanted to use this story in series, uh, season 20 hmm. and, and moved it out. I think cause they were still working on some sort of a, an agreement with the Terry nation estate or something, something like that. Um, so 
they to to have this conclusion and it just the the final moment and I know that it gets played you see the clip often often because of all of the companion exits having one where they leave on their own accord by their own decision are always these ones that that, that resonate with us because you you really want to know this one left because they they got too attached to something this one left because they were homesick this one left because they they felt that it was just too much to to bear she tries to brush it off with the cute little analogy about her auntie Vanessa saying, hey, when it stops being fun, quit your job. This is far from being just a not fun anymore sort of decision. And I I give Janet Fielding all the credit in the world for for conveying that with her body language and her expression far more than what I think the script allows her to do. If you look at the transcript, it on in print, it looks like a very weak little exchange. Yeah, and without a lot of extra tears or overly emotional, I feel like it. It's a very adult, mature way to allow her to leave. Mm. Yeah, but I, I I agree. I think that the the whole thing about like you know when it, when it stops being fun, you know it's time to go, and like could very easily be played off as a joke. But the way that Janet Fielding followed that up with like just shy of like screaming at the doctor. Like it's not fun right. anymore. Like it just, you could, you could feel the emotion in it and it really sold her reasoning for wanting yeah. to get out. I think it's also very telling to she and the doctor kind of butt heads often and he doesn't give her the care that someone like her, you can tell when she had Nissa around, they would pal around and be buddies and she cares about the people that she's with. And so taking mm-hmm. every single time you see her in this, someone else around her falls. And so giving that into that one moment as kind of the the very end is just, you can see it in her face. Mm-hmm. So, so then yeah. last little uh, button to that question then, what do you think she was going to say when she came back around the corner to watch the TARDIS dematerialize? I have to imagine she's kind of wondering if they would just leave so quickly. They no thought to it really. Just oh, bye. I get the impression that she like, you know, made the call. She's like, "No, I'm done. I'm walking away." And then had a moment of like, "Am I really ready to leave?" And possibly wanted to be like, "Look, just give me some time to sort this out and figure out what I want to do." And then, you know, sees them leaving and it's like, oh, well, I, I guess I am done kind of thing. Bucks herself up with her trademark line, you know, the, the Braveheart Tegan. Yeah. I, I want to tell myself that she was going to, and maybe I'm doing this because of, you know, what we just recently got from her reappearance in 22. But I'm, I'm almost wondering if she was going to just ask one last time if there was a way that she could contact them if she ever wanted to like she she had made her statement as if that's it i'm done i'm out i can't and then she was going to just stick on a but should the time come will you leave your forwarding (laughs) address (laughs) or or maybe just a like how do i get in touch with you if i need something you know if i need help Mm. or even just as simple as saying but i I know that came out harsh but i do want to say thank you for you know, just thanks for the opportunity yeah. or thank, thanks for the adventures. 
I don't think she was that in that space yet. Mm. It just happened. True. I don't mm-hmm. think yeah. at that moment you come back yeah. and say, "Oh, by the way, I, thanks." Has has anyone ever asked Janet Fielding what she thinks? I'm sure. Yeah. I I didn't want to I didn't want to I, I, I want to yeah, I didn't want to seed my thoughts by by <laughs> seeking that out to to see what she said in other interviews. Right. But I'm absolutely certain that she's been asked before. If not, we know the first question That's when we true. meet her again. Yeah. <laughs> Because probably no one's asked you this one before (laughs) that we could find on the internet. It's a two-part question. It's actually more of a comment than a question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, once again, Russell T. Davies gets to talk to Doctor Who magazine, and we learn things. It's such a novel, refreshing thing. Right. Now, I would, I wish that he would actually speak to other news outlets from time to time, because then all we get is is every print publication and, and digital publication under the sun just quoting Doctor Who magazine. But hey, you know, choose your outlet. But hey, it's more than yeah. we've had. So, yeah, true. well, so, if it's Doctor Who magazine, I don't okay. feel like that's a bad place to have interviews. No, what. What he needs to do is go and give like an exclusive interview to the mirror and just watch the Hooniverse melt. No. <laughs> or, or, yeah, but, or, oh, yeah. the Daily Star. But I, I guess what I'm saying is, right, if, oh. if this is your magazine for your show, would you not want to yeah. leverage that every single time? Every single time? Yeah. If you're trying to rebuild the brand because it has had zero news for the past X number of years? My only issue being that the availability of that magazine is somewhat difficult for people that want to be able Mm -hmm. to get their hands on it as well. Uh, Outside of the UK, even within the UK, they only print a certain number of copies, so then you have to get the digital copy, and maybe it's not quite the same. You want the collector's aspect of it, and so on and so on and so on. What I'm hearing is we live in the wrong place. Yes. So we'll be moving. Uh, yes. We're going to take about a three-month hiatus mm. while we pack up all our shiz. <laughs> <laughs> so what did he have well, to say? It's sort of a continuation. It's, it's building upon the expectations for how he wants to or how he intends to run the ship for the, the next few years and sort of reestablishing a precedent for broadcasting. Um, we've kind of gotten used to the gut punch of gap years. Uh, for ob- mm-hmm. some for obvious reasons, you know, 2020 was a thing, and you can't take that away. Yep. But it was not the first time that we have had a full year go by from uh, end of one season to uh, just a special, let alone the top of the following season. So he wants to see that in the rearview mirror. Once we get through 2023, that just has to right. He's he's got a lot on his plate for 2023. I can I can give him mm-hmm. that one, but. This goes back to, I think we had had a conversation quite a while ago, at least six or eight months ago, where we talked about um, season length, because we were it was right around the time that Flux ended. And we thought, wow, you know, all right, six episodes, but they're a little bit longer. Is this tolerable? Because if they're longer, then they feel like cinematic experiences. So if you get six or so of them, it still feels fulfilling, even though it's a much shorter total time across the calendar that it gets broadcast. I think you have to be really careful about which ones have through stories and which ones stand alone when you have the shorter seasons. Mm, yeah, you really want a lot of that connective tissue. True. So the goal, according to his statement, now whether or not this is dried ink or just what he's aiming towards, a lot of times when he says these things, 
they kind of find their way into becoming a reality because everybody chimes in and says, great freaking idea, and BBC listens. Yeah. Uh, but an eight-episode series going forward 2024 and beyond with a Christmas special, specifically calling it a Christmas special, so we're pulling back right. from New Year's. Yeah, and this this has been confirmed for series 14. Mm-hmm. Like, we are getting eight episodes and a Christmas special. And he said that, that is something he wants to carry forward, but this is the only one that's, like, solidly, like, this is what right. we're doing. And as far as so. I understand, the three specials that are going to be uh, 14th, uh, uh, 14th Tenet Doctor and mm-hmm. then the Gatwa introductory holiday season special that we're getting which again you know I, i'm not mm. complaining you know you don't need to quantify that right now i'm just happy it's happening is not going to mm. that is not going to count as the christmas special for series 14 proper so it's it's kind of going along that or we're, right. we're back to that time where the christmas special doesn't have an episode number <laughs> which mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. screws with your media servers and <laughs> it's like i don't know is it episode 9 i don't know it's 9b but it doesn't like letters it's actually like episode 0 <laughs> it doesn't have a number and then, uh, anyway don't get me started on my plex server mm-hmm. um so, <laughs> but yeah so that'll mean that 24 will have its eight episodes and then christmas 24 will have a special and then at some point in 25, we'll get another eight episodes. So yeah, it, it really breaks that gap down. So the question then is going to become when would be the, uh, oh, my typical question is where my head goes. I have the yes and. Yes and. Oh, so we get eight, eight episodes. Yes. And when do they start? So how, how's, how late into the year? Do they want to do it like a spring thing? And it, it really gets me wondering about what would fit best for the transmission schedule. And again, this is more than a year out that we're talking Isn't it about great? This. so there's plenty of time for <laughs> plenty of time for more information to come our way before we start you know hitting panic yeah. mode uh so um but yeah we've we are staring down the barrel of the the end of the year here uh with new stuff coming in both November and then again in either late December or early January mm-hmm. so i i yeah. think think they could squeak it in as like a New Year's Eve because I think they said that the four specials would actually air in 23. So the question is, yeah. is it like literally you've got minutes le- like it ends and then you're going to go get yourself ready, get your champagne ready for the ball to drop kind of the, just the tail end of 23 mm-hmm. or will it actually be a Yuletide <laughs> thing? Uh, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's it's possible that we could see an early 24 uh, release for series 14 because it has already started mm. filming. Hmm. And uh, I was trying to find out a little bit more because the, the little image that they that they shared with the announcement and they're really leaning into, I thought they, they were like bringing back the emoji bots because all of their social media lately has just been the two hearts plus something. <laughs> That's just been their shtick mm-hmm. lately, which is fine. It's fun. Cohesive marketing unit, y'all. Right? Look at them hiring a marketing coordinator who really knows their stuff. The kids uh, are hip these days with these little icons. Uh-huh. <laughs> they, sp- they speak in these little pictographs. Uh, but is uh, uh, Dylan Holmes Williams. And I'm looking at the name, I'm like, this doesn't sound familiar to me at all. And so I looked up his CV. And it's a lot of uh, film shorts, uh, award-winning film shorts and things like that. And then has been most recently working on an M. Night Shyamalan series, Servant, which I, I will admit I have 
not seen. I kind of tapped out on Shyamalan a while ago. Um, but yeah. it's uh it's an interesting tap for for your uh, your leadoff director. I'm I'm curious to know what it was in in his particular skill set, what he what his eye brings to uh, production uh, that Russell really wanted to say, that's the person to kick off my new doctor. I don't know. For right now, we just get plenty of more speculation, which is uh, what we're going to do next time we come back. Uh, so with, with the announcement of Doctor Who teaming up with Disney+, Plus, what kind of spinoffs might RTD already be pitching to the mouse? Mm. What kind of stuff could we potentially see? And this is, we're talking about things that are going to be you know, realistic possibilities and not just like, wouldn't it be cool if, because we do that all the time anyway. We don't need a special episode for that. <laughs> we're not going to get the series. It's actually all about Susan. It's not that that one's not really going to happen. <laughs> but this has been episode 483 of Gallifrey Public Radio. Until next time, this is Jay saying, you know, I'm feeling a little sick. Am I squirting shaving cream out of any of my orifices? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm not checking. <laughs> and this is Gear saying, you know, if the key to fighting off Dalek mind control is remembering the amendments, I'm pretty sure most of us are screwed. <laughs> mm-hmm. And this is Julie saying, this story had more pew pews than St. Paul's Cathedral. <laughs> wow, wow. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Gallifrey Public Radio. Want to keep the conversation going? You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, or just send us a good old-fashioned email to feedback at gallifreypublicradio.com. You can also give us a phone call at 754-225-5477. That's 754-CALL-GPR, and you may hear your voice on a future episode of the show. Everything's got to end sometime, otherwise nothing would ever get started. Join us next week for a brand new episode.